So we are at that time of the year when I just get excited about March Madness, spring being on the horizon. We're approaching March. And for the first time ever, I know I didn't think I'd ever say it, but I am jacked up and into college baseball and, yes, Big 12 baseball. And I didn't quite think I'd ever get there. Now, we are going to be doing, by the way, I'm Pete Mundo. Sorry, I'm so excited. I always, uh, once in a while, forget to introduce myself. Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com, of course, is the Big 12 site. Heartland College Sports Weekly is this show on the radio, on the podcast. If you're there, leave us that rating and review. Get a free Heartland College Sports koozie when you leave that rating and review and send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's how you get a free koozie by sending me a screenshot of your rating and review on iTunes. Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. But I'm just juiced up for college baseball because we're going to be following it more than ever here on the site, but also also because of what Major League Baseball is doing. So Major League Baseball has screwed the pooch here in a lot of ways, right? Major League Baseball has decided to have a lockout. And there's going to be more conversations this week on when the season might get started and what that might look like. But at the same time, there's no end in sight, no obvious end in sight. And this creates a major opportunity for college baseball, which has always kind of been third fiddle, not even second fiddle, obviously, but third fiddle and a distant third fiddle to college football and college basketball. College football is overall still in a very healthy place. I know we gripe about the playoff, what they're doing there, how that's going to play out long term. But overall, college uh, football is in a healthy place still. Meantime, you've got college basketball that's got its issues, got its warts. It's become in many ways a four to six week sport that people are really only getting into after the NFL season ends. I don't think that's good. For college basketball, there's a lot of reasons for that. I think the one-and-done has hurt the sport in many ways. Uh, you're not going to have guys who are staying three, four years and you know really developing and becoming names, at least at some of the big programs, becoming names that fans really latch on to. I think the portal's going to hurt that as well. Um, you're seeing even more movement in some ways in basketball than in football. So there's just a lot of moving parts. But college baseball's always been a distant third. And I believe the biggest reason for that is the fact that, you know, you watch college baseball if you're a fan. And then let's be honest, you don't see these guys in the big leagues the next year. Unlike the NFL draft, unlike the NBA draft, where you can follow these guys and say, boom, I'm going to watch my guy from college play on a Tuesday night in the NBA. I'm going to watch my guy play on Sunday. It doesn't happen. It can't happen. Guys go to the minor leagues and – Let's be honest, most of those guys don't make it. You never hear from them again. So it's always been something that's hurt college baseball because you don't have the continuity to the big leagues. But now you got a situation here where because of the screw-ups of Major League Baseball and the greed of the Players Association, there's an opening here for college baseball that if the sport is smart, they're going to take massive advantage of. Now, what would I do? And I wrote about this on the site, too. But what I would do is that if a lockout does continue and delay the start of the Major League Baseball season, 
teams like TCU, Baylor, Texas, Texas Tech, they should try to penetrate the Dallas-Fort Worth market and Houston markets with advertising dollars and target first off their own alumni and also Rangers and Astros fans. You want to find if you're a Texas if you're Texas Tech, you want to target Tech alumni in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex who are Rangers fans. And by the way, with digital media, you can do that. You can target those fans and say, hey, come on out or get that subscription. Watch Texas Tech baseball. Same thing if you're, you know, let's say uh, Texas Longhorns baseball. They want to go to Houston. They want to advertise to Texas alums in Houston who are Astros fans. You can do that. And the same applies to TCU, Oklahoma, Baylor, uh, Oklahoma State. You can do that, and they should do that. And I I know you know, you're going to say, well, the baseball budgets aren't what the football budgets are. If the athletic department wants to scrap together some, some you know, dimes, try to find them between the couches, you can find them. And then Kansas State and Kansas can look to Kansas City. Now, I know K-State and KU baseball are not what some of the other Big 12 schools are necessarily, but... You've got a baseball-hungry fan base that's going to be without baseball. Who knows for how long, possibly. They're going to be missing their Royals. West Virginia can look north to Pittsburgh without the Pirates. And West Virginia baseball, by the way, has come a long way. you got to give credit, I think, to Coach Maisie up there at West Virginia, and, and they've, they've come a long way with that program over time. That's what I would be doing. And on top of that, here's what else can happen. If ESPN wants to be a good partner and won't have Sunday night baseball for a few weeks, they should consider flexing some Big 12 or SEC games into the primetime Sunday slot. And I know what you're saying. Oh, they're not going to spend that money on college baseball. Okay, they may not have to spend the same amount of money that you would spend uh, to put on an ESPN production for Major League Baseball. But you can still find a way to put some games in prime time. Same thing with Fox. They have a national baseball game on Saturday afternoon. Right? They can flex some of the Big 12 or SEC games, and obviously my preference will be the Big 12, into that. It's like, what, a 3 o'clock Central time start usually for that game? And you don't have to have Joe Buck on the call, all right? Joe Buck, you don't have to pay Joe Buck to be there. But you're going to have it on your big Fox. You're going to have it on ESPN. Give some of your younger broadcasters a shot. You don't have to have 27 cameras. You can get away with a few. And uh, promote this sport. Give it a chance. I mean, I'm looking right now just at the Big 12 schedule. You got Bedlam April 8th through 10th. If there's no baseball by then, no Major League Baseball by then, why not take the Saturday game if you're Fox Sports, put on Bedlam, which always does a good number in football, you know, you can have two solid baseball programs. Put them in there. Why not? What do you got to lose? I'm looking at the rest of the schedule here. Uh, what else would be, a, you know, a primetime solid matchup? Let's see. Uh, throughout the season here, I don't know. Find me Texas at Texas Tech. That would be a good one to have on display. National TV, Saturday afternoon on Fox or Sunday night on ESPN. I'm not predicting this. I'm not sitting here telling you, oh, this is definitely going to happen. It probably won't. But college baseball has an opportunity here. 
And the powers that be in college baseball should be thinking ahead about this and pitching this to their TV partners and saying, you know, why not us? Fill some of your inventory with live sports. Okay, fine, you're not going to get the turnout that you would get for Yankees, Red Sox. No one's saying that you will. But you get some live sports into this slot uh, that's going to be better than playing replays. You guys have gotten crushed by COVID in live sports the last couple of years. You know, you had a worthless 2020 because there were no live sports for several months. You're still maybe reeling from that. Get some live sports back. Let's do it. And let's see what can happen. Just something to think about here as we're all kind of waiting and wanting that crack of the bat to come around sooner rather than later. It's one of my favorite times of year. I mean, I love football. When football ends, it's always crushing. And the NFL's great. I mean, I'm a Chiefs fan up here in Kansas City, so obviously, uh, you know, that's been a roller coaster ride, <laughs> usually for the better the last couple of years. But I'm jacked up for March Madness, obviously. But without that that spring training element to my sports calendar right now, when, you know, you sit there for millions of us around the country, sitting in our last few weeks of frigid winter, getting to hear the crack of the bat, see the, the sunny skies of Florida and Arizona, it gets you ready. And you don't have it right now. And that's problematic. Also, I'll say this and maybe talk more about this um, at another time. I watched some of the uh, State Farm baseball, college baseball tournament that included K-State, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech over the weekend. It was at Globe Life Field in Arlington, the new Rangers ballpark. That place stinks. I mean, that place is so generic. And the fact that the Big 12 tournament is going to be there is a joke. Get that thing back to Bricktown. Please get that thing back to Bricktown. Bricktown is the that, – that stadium in Bricktown is the perfect – perfect location it's more centrally located you can seat anywhere depending on uh, you know the size i think it's like 10 to 12,000 instead of globe life field you got 40,000 people 40,000 seats and the place is empty because college baseball is not going to draw 40,000 I, I love the way Bricktown has it set up. The place probably embraces it more. It just feels so sterile at Globe Life. I did not like watching baseball in that environment over the weekend. Dingy. I mean, it wasn't quite Tropicana Field, but it wasn't much better. I was like, this is a new ballpark? Whoever was the architect behind this thing should be fired yesterday. Wouldn't let him develop anything ever again. My goodness. So uh, just something to note because the Big 12 tournament is going to be at that stadium, Globe Life, in Arlington uh, this year. Oh, gosh. Coming up, let's talk some Big 12 hoops with uh, Matthew Postins. He will join us coming up next here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. As we do each and every time this week, we welcome on Matthew Postins to talk some Big 12 basketball. Can you believe it? Big 12 tournament is going to get started in less than two weeks, Matthew. This season... We were talking about this uh, before we got on the air here. This season has absolutely flown by, and it's easy for it to fly by when the basketball is this good and this competitive, but I will say it seems like we're starting to see a breakdown in the bracketology, uh, in your assessment, in the standings on who's in and who's out for the Big 12 tournament or the NCAA tournament. How are you seeing that shakeout right now? Yeah, I think we're finally starting to see that attritive effect that the quality of this conference is having on uh, just everyone. You know, when you when you really think about that, there's some clear separation now between you know really 
the top three teams in the conference with Kansas and Baylor and Texas Tech, who I, I think at this point will most likely be uh, top four seeds in the tournament. And then Texas kind of right there sitting by themselves in fourth place. And then this whole group of teams that are under 500 in conference, but you know have various claims to stake in the NCAA tournament. I, for instance, I think Iowa State is fine, even with a you know, just six conference wins going into the weekend. I think they're they're set, and I think they'll go to the tournament. Uh, I think TCU, I don't think they're a lock yet because they've got a lot of really good teams ahead of them. And then Kansas State, a team that, you know, Bill Self himself said, you know, should be considered for the NCAA tournament. But they they need to win a couple of games down the stretch. And they've got – they don't have an easy schedule uh, these last few games. So there's a lot to be determined. Um, a lot can still happen, but I, I think that – that dream that we had of, you know, seven, if not eight big 12 teams making it into the tournament, uh, the downturn in the play of Oklahoma and West Virginia, I think has certainly made it clear to me that I think it'll probably no, be no more than a six bid big 12, unless somebody does something crazy at the big 12 tournament. Yeah. And that's certainly not impossible. I mean, I think about Oklahoma, I just think about missed opportunities against Kansas and Texas and, you pick up those wins and it's it's absolutely just a completely different story, a different ball game for for Porter Mosier in his in his first year. But now four and eleven in conference is is probably not gonna cut it. So what about K-State, Matthew? I mean, that's a team that we're looking at right now. We're saying, okay, they're 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 on the bubble. They did not have a good performance against Kansas, and now they've got Iowa State, Texas Tech, Oklahoma. Do they have to win out? Do they have to get two or three? I mean, where do you think K-State is at based on, as you said earlier, Bill Self said they're a tournament team. I, I think they need to win two, at least two of their next three down the stretch. I mean, you, you think about where they are going into the weekend. They're a game over 500 overall. So if they can go, if they can win two of their last three, that would put them at, you know, 16 and 14, um, you know, the Texas Tech game, I think, is the game that I, I look at their schedule and say that's probably a loss being in Lubbock. But the other two games in their schedule are winnable. But they have a big one this weekend against Iowa State. If, if they lose that game to me, I think they're probably headed for the NIT. And that assumes they end up with a winning record at the end of the year. I don't think you can get into the NIT with a losing record. But, you know, these, you know, Kansas State, Oklahoma, West Virginia, they're so close to being under 500 now that you you have to start thinking about, you know, not just can they make the NCAA tournament, which I think Kansas State could if they win two of the next three and maybe wins one game at the Big 12 tournament, but whether they could get into any postseason play if they're not able to stay above 500. Yeah, uh, that's, that's exactly right. So when you're looking at the Big 12 tournament, you're looking at the obviously bottom half of the standings, who's going to make a run. Teams at the top are kind of just fighting for seeding. When you look at the top, Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech, I mean, KU's got a solid one and a half game lead here in the final two weeks. They once again remain the favorites for the Big 12 regular season title. But that back and forth debate, Baylor, Texas Tech, who's who's the better team right now of those two? I think right now Texas Tech is the better team. Um, part of that is Baylor being banged up. Uh, they still don't have a healthy LJ Cryer. Uh, James Akinjo is still nursing injuries. Adam Flagler is still nursing an injury, although he had a huge game against Oklahoma State earlier in the week. But I think even if those guys were healthy, and remember, Texas Tech played them in January when they were fully healthy, I think. Uh, I think Adam Flagler might have been the only player banged up in that game for Baylor, and Texas Tech won that game on the road. So, you know, just the way Texas Tech is playing defense, 
the way they are so balanced on the offensive side of the ball, they're very difficult to defend that way. We don't talk about their offense nearly as enough, but I think they have right now the second best offense in the conference uh, from my standpoint, just purely the eye test uh, aside from Kansas. You know, they're going into the tournament on the exact right bit of momentum you want to go into the tournament on. You want to be playing well. You want to be playing defense well. You want to have a balanced offense. To me right now, Texas Tech is a team that can get farther in the NCAA tournament than Baylor. Yeah, uh, I, I think that that would be a, a general consensus here. So as we look at the the middle tier, I mean, Chris Beard's got this team going to the tournament, got 20 wins. But he lost to Texas Tech twice. And I, you know, I keep thinking about kind of the reaction to that second loss that Texas su- suffered at home uh, to, to the Red Raiders. And it seems like it really just hasn't sit well uh, with a lot of Longhorn faithful. What do you think the, the pulse is right now on Chris Beard, what he's done uh, based on the fact that it looks like it's going to be a good season, but those two losses to Texas Tech have got to stink? Well, they, they probably do stink to the fan base, and, and I get that. But, you know, you you traded in Shaka Smart, who took you to a Big 12 tournament title last year, by the way, for Chris Beard, a guy who has gotten Texas Tech to the Final Four a few years ago. Um, I don't know what Texas's expectations were. I know what Chris Beard's expectations were going into the season. He wanted to take his team to a Final Four. He assembled a, a large group of transfers that were extremely talented and just – haven't quite come together from a chemistry standpoint yet. They were, they're a really good team and they have these moments where they look great. And then they have these moments where they just kind of take a couple of steps back and you really kind of wonder if all of this is going to come together. And that's the danger when you put together a large group of players that haven't played together before. Uh, sometimes the chemistry works like Texas tech, both those programs are in very similar situations. There was a lot of turnover. The chemistry at tech is working. The chemistry at Texas is working, but it's not as highly calibrated as it is at Texas tech. So to me, you know, I think Texas can get to the second weekend of the tournament. I think that's their ceiling, but in order for them to do that, they're going to have to play better on the offensive side of the basketball. And for me, that means you give the ball more to Andrew Jones because this guy has proven himself to be a clutch performer at the end of games. You give the ball more to Marcus Carr and you, you start gravitating a bit away from trying to generate so much offense inside the paint. Uh, if you want to bring Timmy Allen out of the paint, bring him out of the paint, but you know, stop trying to force the issue inside from an offensive standpoint, because that's not what this team is best at right now. This team's best at defense perimeter offense and, and slowing down the game. And if they stick to those three things, I think they could have a really good run at the Big 12 tournament. They could have a solid run in the NCAA tournament. And I think for Texas, since they haven't been to the second round in so long, I think that would be enough for them, at least for this year. But, you know, getting to the second weekend of the tournament would certainly ratchet up Longhorn fans' expectations of what Chris Beard could potentially do in Austin. As it should. Uh, Matthew, you talk about ceilings uh, for this uh, for this Texas Longhorns team. What about the league as a whole, as deep and as good as it is? Do you see a, a national championship contender right now in the Big 12? Yeah, Kansas. Do. I, I, okay. I do. I really think they are a national championship contender. I mean, they had an incredible game against Kansas State, and they won't shoot 64% against every team they play uh, moving forward. But they've got a, a great starting five. They are playing better defense than they were a month ago. 
Uh, Bill Self has cultivated two or three guys off the bench that are starting to give him some quality time. It doesn't necessarily show up in the stat sheet, but for the five, eight, maybe 10 minutes they play, like Joseph Yusufu is playing really quality ball for them, but he's only playing about five, eight minutes, and that's all they really need him to do. Uh, and then you figure um, if they ever get Remy Martin back, and maybe they don't need Remy Martin at this point. You know, when you think about the NCAA tournament, you think about the chemistry of that team. You know, I think Ochai Agbaji is going to have the kind of tournament that Devontae Graham had a few years ago when that team, which I think was not as deep as this team and maybe not quite as talented as this team got to the Final Four, I think Agbaji is going to have that kind of run in the NCAA tournament. And if Agbaji can't pull the load, that's fine. You've got Christian Brown, you've got Dewan Harris, you've got David McCormick, you've got Jalen Wilson. They have, to me, the best starting five in the conference, and any one of those guys can kill you any given night. Very interesting. Well, certainly we'll, we'll be watching, keeping an eye on it. Matthew, thanks always for the time. Look forward to having you up here in Kansas City in less than two weeks for the start of the Big 12 tournament. We'll see you then. All right, looking forward to it. He's Matthew Postens on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Always good to talk hoops with him. It's always great to have Matthew on. Hey, before you leave, hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating and a review, and that's how you get a free Heartland College Sports koozie when you leave a rating and a review on this show, and then send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, that's M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thank you guys for all you do. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week here on heartlandcollegesports.com. Take care.